Hello, Colts Nation. Welcome back to Go For It, a podcast all about the Indianapolis Colts, peppered on top with a little bit of NFL news. You got your hosts here tonight, Elijah Elmore, my partner in crime, Nathaniel Velasquez is with me, and we have some incredible topics to discuss today. We are we have hit the halfway point. We are officially halfway through the NFL season. Somehow, some way, uh, the season has not gotten shut down in of these crazy times, and uh, I'm thankful for it, Nate. I think I speak for both of us when I say that we're thankful that the season has not been yes. shut down. Yes, yeah, I'm right there with you. It, uh, especially with you know stuff coming up um, faster than they have as of yet, and also finally, I guess COVID-19 has hit the Indianapolis Colts. A staff member ended up uh, contracting it, and thankfully we caught it in time before it kind of spread it any elsewhere. And as far as I know, and as far as I've heard, there is no players that have got it. So all of our players will be available for Sunday. Which is a great thing. I mean, it stands a testament to the precautions and protocols the Colts are taking to keep the players on the field. We are just starting to get some of our key players back on the field, and we don't want to lose them um, to this crazy virus that's been, that's been continuing to uh, threaten the livelihood of everybody in the world but you know also threaten the uh, livelihoods of these of these guys and their teams and and the seasons are trying to produce so uh we're thankful that it was an isolated incident or it seems to be an isolated incident so far and we trust that they're going to continue to take every precaution necessary to ensure that they keep uh, the players and the remainder of the staff safe thoughts and prayers go out um to everybody affected by it uh, as of now already and we just gotta continue and pray and have hope yeah so and if you watch thursday's game you could definitely tell how lot uh how horrible it can be when you end up getting hit by COVID 19 and it completely takes at least seven players away from your game and you obviously have no chance of having a compete game <laughs> i hope yeah. you're I bet your dad was watching. He was all excited. But if you were a 49ers fan, Thursday was just an awful night. Yeah, 49ers have been hit bad between injuries and and, and COVID. Yeah, and COVID. Yeah. It's I feel bad for the 49ers. I really do. But to start off, before we get into anything else, you guys know the drill by now. We're approaching 30 episodes, Nate. 30. 30, 30 episodes. We are nearly there. I got to count. This might be episode 30. It, I don't think it's quite episode 30. We are very close, if not already there. <laughs> so you guys know the drill by now. As always, the one and only wonderful, spectacular Nate Velasquez hits us with some popping trivia questions week over week. And we have a great one this week. Nate, what's you know, this de- trivia question? Hey, this definitely puts your thinking cap on because... For a long time, I did not know that this player was around this time because I thought he started at another time. But it, it just—it was just mind blowing when I found this um, fact. So, to you guys, the question is: In 2008 NFL Draft, the Colts had three picks in the sixth round. Who was the third and final pick in the sixth round? Great question. I don't know the answer to this one. Not even gonna lie to you. 
you'll probably be like are you serious type thing (laughs) it's definitely not it's definitely not something you'd be like oh yeah that's right you'd have to be like really really this player was drafted at this point really so now that you're saying that i'm like my mind's just kind (laughs) of the gears are going turning over in my head trying to think of this time period and who you know uh-huh. So I'm anxious. Uh-huh. To, I'm anxious to hear this one. I'm, I'm sure you guys are as well. Don't forget to hit us up on Twitter at GFI Podcast if you haven't already. Please go and follow us. It's free. I promise we won't charge you anything. And if you haven't followed us already, what are you doing? I mean, seriously, you're a Colts fan. You should be following at GFI Podcast on Twitter. We can tr- we try to continue all of our conversations that Nate and I have over here on the pod. We try and continue those conversations on Twitter. We love interacting and engaging with fellow Colts fans. It's what we do. It's what we what do. What we do. So yeah. get over there, follow us, and let us know what you think the answer is without the help of the internet. What you think the answer is to this week's trivia question. Last week, the Colts put on a show. A spanking. Oh, man. A spectacular showing of brute force against the oddly hyped-up Detroit Lions, Nate. You see these people out here on NFL Network calling the Lions to beat the Colts? Uh, Dude, don't even get me started. Seriously? Like, it's been like that all year, and 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 especially this week when we talk about it later, about the Colts faces the, versus the Ravens. It's all about Lamar. And and the same with Detroit. It was all about Matthew Stafford. It's all about Detroit Lions. It's like, oh, does, uh, does uh, Matthew Stafford has what it takes? Oh, yes, he does. And the Colts are going to lose this game because the Lions are on fire. And then when the Colts win the game, oh, what's wrong with Matthew Stafford? Oh, what's wrong with the Lions? It's like, how how about look at those Colts? Like, give us some credit, at least. Come on. Man, the Colts are the most disrespected team in the NFL, and I stand by that comment wholeheartedly. The most disrespected team in the NFL. I mean, the Lions won two games in a row, okay? And they were talking about the possibility of them winning three games in a row, which hasn't happened in I don't remember how long. I heard a stat uh, last weekend somewhere about how it's been so long since the Lions won three consecutive games in a row. It's obviously never happened in the Matt Patricia era, uh, if you even want to call it an era. And, you know, just what I've been seeing online of Lions fans, I think Lions fans are a lot more grounded and they have a much more realistic take on their team than anyone else around the league. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't know what you mean. I don't. I mean, I know where, you, where you're coming from. I get that. But some of the Detroit uh, Lions fans that have their own YouTube channel or their own podcast, I'm listening to them, and they're going all like, "Oh yeah, we should be able to beat the Colts. The Colts are not that good." Yada yada yada. It's like, do you guys not watch the games, or at least do your due diligence and actually watch some of the highlights or watch some of the games that the Colts play? It's like at me as a podcast. Uh, you know, analysts or whatever you want to call me. Uh, I do my job to actually watch games and make sure some uh, if this player is playing or see how this player did or see how the other team did in general. And it's like right now, um, Baltimore, Ra- Baltimore, uh, Baltimore Ravens YouTuber, okay? He was talking for a good two minutes about how Paris Campbell has been uh, be, be, was being phenomenal this year. It's like, okay, uh, are you serious, dude? 
this guy has not played for for like the <laughs> he's only played a game in a in a quarter. It's like you're definitely not doing yourself a favor by claiming to call yourself a YouTube YouTuber or or a podcast person. Like you're you're just humili- humiliating yourself. I'm sorry. If if you're gonna comment and be a YouTube person or whatever, you got to do your homework. Please do your homework because when you start doing stuff like that, that no one's gonna like your channel. I want you to succeed, but come on, seriously. Yeah, Nate. Uh, I don't know about you, but Brett Favre is having an incredible year this year. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing, Brett. Brett Favre, he still plays, right? He's Brett... playing for the New York Jets these days, right? Brett Favre, uh, Brett. <laughs> What? I'm sorry. That's about your reaction when you hear when you hear these guys making those claims. It's like obviously you're not you're not watching the competition to your favorite team. You're not keep you don't you don't even really have to keep up. Just don't make up a player. At least look up a player who's been playing for the Colts all year and talk about them. Don't just think of the first player that you you know. Don't just mention the first player you can think of and then. And then, you know, I don't know. I guess that's the thing with, with fans. Fan, the word fan is short for fanatic, you know. So <laughs> maybe we're all a little biased towards our team. But here on here on Go For It, I, I think we still try and keep the expectations realistic. Um, and we still try and, you know, be grounded in fact. Right. Know, we're definitely yep. biased Colts fans. That, the whole podcast is centered around the Colts. Um, but we still try and keep it realistic and, and base everything that we talk about with facts. And I think that's important. If you want to be taken seriously, uh, in sports media at all, you got to be facts driven and statistics driven. And that's what we try to do here on go for it. Yes. So back to the Colton Lions. Sorry about that. Little, little little side path, but we're back on the main path here. Colts and Lions. Nate, what a great game. 41 to 21. Philip Rivers had another just phenomenal game. Even I think this is best game of the year. Better than last year. He avoided a pick, not a single pick. Oh yeah, a great decision after great decision. Another a second game in a row, three second quarter touchdowns. Phenomenal game. Nate, it's really starting to feel like something's clicking with this offense. It's really starting to feel like Philip Rivers is figuring stuff out. Yeah, and uh, they were showing on TV on Sunday that he was like. Five and one or four and one, something like that, when he doesn't throw a pick. And then when he has thrown at least one or two picks, the Colts are like uh, only got a win under their belt and they're a losing record. It's like he's been phenomenal, like you said, Elijah. He's been doing great. And not too long ago, a lot of Colts fans were saying bench the guy. And it's like, are you, it's like, come on, Colts fans. This this is one bad game, maybe two bad games that he's had. Obviously, with the two losing um, games that we have, those are probably the games that he was not very good in. But still, he's been a phenomenal quarterback. He has, hasn't really put us in bad situations, especially if you want to compare him to Jacoby Brissett. In some situations, Jacoby Brissett would have probably made it a little worse compared to Phillip Rivers. But Phillip Rivers has done a lot more for the team. He's put us in better situations, and he's definitely put it to where we could score. So let's let's not complain anymore. Phillip Rivers still has a little something left in the tank. I'm not saying it's a full tank. I'm not saying it's, you know, three quarters, maybe half, 
I mean, just, just he still has something to prove. And you can tell that he wants to win a Super Bowl. You can tell this Colts team wants to win a Super Bowl. And you know what, Elijah? It would literally be a great story if somehow Phillip Rivers, if this season goes the way we want it to, if the Colts go to the Super Bowl and Phillip Rivers wins the Super Bowl, he's going to retire high just like Peyton Manning did. Yeah, well, and it, it it does kind of come with its own poetic feel, if you will. And what amazes me more than anything, Nate, I don't know if you noticed, Chargers fans, it almost feels like Chargers fans are honorary Colts fans this year. Like, I don't know, Nate, if you've seen online the level of respect that Chargers fans still have for Phillip Rivers. Like, I see nothing but well wishes and support from current Chargers fans who have watch for the past 15 years, watch Phillip Rivers uh, light up the field for the Chargers, and now he's playing for the Colts. And I see comment after comment after comment uh, talking about how lucky the Colts are to have Phillip Rivers and and how they wish him the best and how they're happy to see him doing well and how they want to see him go and win a Super Bowl with the Colts since he couldn't, especially since he couldn't grab that, that Super Bowl title with the Chargers. It's just incredible to see how much respect he gained from his Chargers fan base over the years. Um, and for good reason, the guy's coming out, he's 38 years old and you know, he's still, he's still playing at a competitive level, especially over the last two weeks. I think reading back those reports from the Brown after the Browns game, uh, forcing himself to read, um, from the media, what their takes were on him. I think that lit a fire inside of him and he wanted to, you know, even though he said that Really, he feels like the same guy that was in that Browns game as this, as the guy who's been playing the last two last last two games. Uh, I think it did something to him. He's like, you know what? I am the same guy. I'm still the same guy. I'm I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to make plays for this team. And that's exactly what Philip Rivers uh, has done. And before uh, before we move on or or go on talking about the rest of this game, I did want to mention. I feel his two best throws of the entire game both came. In his touchdown throws, uh, touchdown throws to to Neheim Hines, his first touchdown pass to Neheim Hines, which was a beauty. Hines just uh, Hines is probably one of the most athletic players in the league. That might be a hot take, Nate, but I think he he might be one of the most athletic players in the league. Um, just uh, the way he stretched uh, towards the end zone on that first touchdown, did that weird spin twirl thing, and somehow the dude's tiny. He's short. And he just he stretched the field on that play. But Phillip Rivers, it was just a short like out route. It was just a short uh, slant check down. And maybe I'm making more of a big deal out of it than others will. But the way Phillip Rivers threw that ball, it looked like it was overthrown. I don't know if it looked like that way to you, Nate, but it looked like the ball was overthrown. And then between Hines' speed and just the way Phillip Rivers launched it out there, especially under pressure. He it, it it floated perfectly in stride. Like Hines was running at top speed, and Philip Rivers hit him in stride. Like Hines did not have to slow down to catch that ball, and that that momentum just led him down the sideline. And the rest is history. The second play uh, was a one on one matchup. Hines down the right sideline again, and Philip Rivers chucked the ball down there and just dropped it right exactly in the right place, only where Hines could catch the ball. Um, it was a spectacular pass I think that might be his best throw of the entire year so far and I was just totally impressed by Philip Rivers and it's hard not to it's hard not to make him MVP of this game it really is yeah and you were talking you're talking about how 
you think that uh, Naheem Hines is he, um, just as athletic as like he is. I mean, for a guy his size and plus having pads on, which I can test to having pads on, you're kind of limited on what you can do. But with Naheem Hines being able to do that gymnastics move is just great. Man, that was and the top I, of the league, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I believe even a gymnast said he had to have a lot of adrenaline in order for that to work because all the padding would have kept him from being able to do what a regular gymnast would do, be able to do because obviously gymnasts don't wear pads. They're just really skin tight, shirts, shorts, whatever you want to call them, spandex, and they're able to move around and be able to do those type of jumps, type of gymnastic things. But with Naeem Hines able to do it with pads, that's just great athletic move. And a lot of people were saying, oh, he shouldn't have done that because the adrenaline, it could have easily hurt him. He could have been injured. It's like, come on, guys. Let the guy celebrate. Seriously, <laughs> let him celebrate. It was a great play. And going to the fl- uh, throw from Philip Rivers, I, f- I didn't feel like it was overthrown. I just felt that he said, Naeem Hines, there's pressure coming. I'm going to float it up to where you need to run and get it. And when he did, it looked like it was in stride. And he was not... He didn't have to slow down and was able to take all that momentum into the end zone, which was a great play by Naeem Hines. And then go back to the second touchdown, um, Philip Rivers to Naeem Hines. That was a great throw and catch. And even if you look into the radio broadcast, they were saying T.Y. was open, which when I first seen it, I was like, T.Y. is wide open. And then when he threw the long ball, I was like, what are you doing uh, Philip Rivers, like that's my that was my first thought. I'm like, Ty's wide open. What are you doing? And he throws it, and it was a perfect ball to Naeem Hines. Great, great play by both of them. And I believe it was jump started because if you don't remember Elijah, it was seven to seven, I, I believe. And Detroit Lions ended up getting a uh, personal foul, unnecessary roughness. And if you do, if you guys do not remember. The um, the Detroit Lions sacked Philip Rivers, but when the f- whistles blew, the Detroit one of the Detroit Lions decided to throw Philip Rivers to the ground. Yeah, and here comes out of nowhere Ryan Kelly coming to protect his quarterback and started having a little word and a little push and shoving going on, saying, "Hey, that's my quarterback. You don't do that." I believe it was in that moment. Something just clicked with the Colts. Something just changed. It just felt like something to where they're like, okay, Detroit, if you're going to play that way, you just given us a reason to kick your heinies, I guess is best. I think that's what something Philip Rivers would say, mm-hmm. your heinies. And we're just going to uh, dominate you and embarrass you guys. And it seemed like from then on, that's when the Colts' offensive line was on fire, and that's when it seemed like the defense was doing its job. It was a great, great play by uh, the Colts in the in those games. The defense stepped up when it needed to, got the pick six, got the forced fumbles, uh, stopped uh, Matt Stafford when they needed to. Five and sacks. I understand that in five sacks, exactly. But if you guys also, if you want to look at some bad, when the Colts did not have pressure, Matthew Stafford was able to sit back there and throw long balls to um, – I forgot the player's name, um, but it th- he would throw long balls to a receiver and was able to complete them. That's something I believe is fixable, so let's not get too much into that, but the defense has done great. 
and I'm glad that and I'm glad the um team reacted to where they're like, hey, if you're gonna be those type of players or people that is gonna just slam a player for no reason, we're gonna we're gonna step up and uh, show you how it's done. Yeah, and before we move on, I just want to give kudos to Philip Rivers, man. That dude's a warrior. That happened, and he was in the face of those guys. I mean, it was clearly. Like, it blew my mind that the refs didn't immediately flag it. It happened right in front of a ref. The whistle was blown, and this guy, who just got an arm on Philip Rivers and was feeling a little frisky, decides to take him well after the whistle was blowing and just throw him to the ground. And rightfully so, Rivers was upset. That offensive line was upset, as they should have been, came to his defense. And Philip Rivers was right in the face of these guys, these huge men. Uh, just and, you know, telling him off, and as he should have been. And ha- what astounds me is the referee. I don't want to get off on a tangent, but the referee should have flagged that immediately. And it wasn't until Philip Rivers and the Colts' O line made a big deal about it that they finally did. Yeah, and and it just shows you how much um, this team is behind Philip Rivers. I mean, I hate to go back to this memory for the Cowboys, and I know this is way out a little bit, but this kind of goes with what's what we're talking about when Andy Dalton got hit. It was a horrible hit by ex-Colt John Bostic. That it should have never came down to that, to where it was a foul play and wow. has Andy Dalton hitting his own head onto the ground oh, and was thanks. not moving. And the team, a lot of people were saying the team was just concerned and that's why they wasn't um, making a big deal of going after John Bostic. But no, 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 no. No matter, in the moment, if a team is behind their quarterback – they will immediately react and go after that cor- uh, that player that decides to play dirty. Yeah, I've played football. I know how it goes. If I if I was there, I would have been there to protect, be there for my quarterback. And then if I realize, oh look, he's down, then I would go go to him. But no, if something happens like that, I'm fully behind them and going to protect my quarterback and make a big deal out of it. The Colts did exactly what the Cowboys did not do with Andy Dalton's situation. Absolutely, and good on them for it. It's just overall great game. Uh, like you know, we got to move on. But Nate, I'm glad you mentioned defense. Great overall showing, minus a few hiccups. Great overall showing by the defense, and um, you know this offense. I think Philip Rivers spread the ball around to like 13 different receivers. Um, it, you know, there's not a single big playmaker in this receiving unit right now, but they're all contributing, which is still a matchup nightmare. And on its own for opposing yep. defenses. So I agree. Um, yep, I think I the Colts agree. can keep this momentum going, and, and it looks like things are really starting to click. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of a little bit deja vu, Nate. Last year, we started the year a surprising 5-2. and two. Well, I think last year was a lot more of a surprise than this year has been for many people. I'm not surprised at all if the Colts are 5-2 and two this year. I think they should... By all rights, they should be at least six and one, but you know, can't <laughs> seven and zero, seven and zero. I mean, and... even the yeah, we won't get into that, but yeah, they could very easily be seven and zero. But last year, I even I was surprised at the Colts five and two start. Beat some big teams uh, like the Texans and the Chiefs, both who were big time favorites in the AFC. Um, and then things just fell apart. Jacoby Brissett got hurt. Wasn't quite the same. Um, wasn't extremely effective to begin with he was more of a game manager anyway but he had some good moments and then after he came back from injury he was never quite the same we dealt with injuries big injuries on both sides of the ball for the remainder of the year it was just tough it was tough to see the Colts in the last half of the season win only two games um you know and this year 
we got a tough stretch ahead of us. Um, we're getting ready to talk about that here in a little bit, but we have we have some tough games coming up. Um, but something feels different to me about this year versus last year's five and two start and eight. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with you. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts was no surprise to us that we would be at least five and two or six and one or dead comment seven and zero. Oh. Uh, but with the Colts is so different to me that stands out is definitely the leadership. And I'm not dogging Jacoby Brissett's leadership. It's just Philip Rivers just has that leadership and the experience that says, hey, we have the people to make a run in the playoffs, guys. There is no doubt about it, and I'm going to be there to help you do that. And especially with the defense as well, Darius Leonard. Hey, we can be the top-ranked defense in the league, and so far they've been definitely trying to prove that. You just got this great leadership from Frank Wright, Chris Ballard, Philip Rivers, Darius Leonard, Justin Houston, uh, T.Y. Hilton. You got all these veteran guys saying, hey, we may be young, but, heck, we are going to try to make every team's life miserable when they come and face us. And they've done exactly that. And that and that's definitely something that's different this year compared to last year. And if you want me to go into individual Colts, offense, and special teams, uh, special teams was awful last year. We all can agree to that. This year, it's definitely a B-plus, A-minus grade for the special teams unit. Um, then uh Defense, definitely a lot better than last year. Uh, last year, the Colts defense was play good one week or play horrible next week or just keeps rotating for some reason last year. Um, but then this year, they've been consistent. Yeah, a few hiccups, but they've definitely been more consistent than last year. And then offense, it's definitely been a lot better with Phillip Rivers uh, running the show for the Colts offense. I love Jacoby Brissett. He did the best that he could. Um, for the Indianapolis Colts last year, but just having Philip Rivers there, that leadership, that experience, and being able to change plays has just been a great, great choice for the Indianapolis Colts this year. Yeah, I mean, just to reiterate what you said, everything you said is exactly how I feel about this season versus in comparison to last year. The defense is legit. I, I, I mean, I think seven games into the season, the Colts have, I think, the second overall rated defense in the league right now as we speak. Um, and seven games in, and it's like that, I think it's pretty safe to say that this this Colts defense is legit. They are a real contender. They can go up against any offense. I truly believe they can go up against any offense in the league right now and um, make them just exhausted, make them punish, you know, just punish them. Uh, we cannot say that about the defense last year. It was so inconsistent, like you said, Nate. Week to week, you never knew what version of the Colts defense you were going to get. This year is a lot more consistent, and it's consistently good. Phillip Rivers and this offense, it's more specifically that I wanted to expound upon personally, Nate, we are getting chunk plays, like 15 yards down the field chunk plays, um, a lot more. I don't have exact numbers, but I can just tell you without seeing numbers that our chunk plays down the field are – much more abundant this year than they were last year. We got a guy who's not afraid to launch it for better or for worse. He's not afraid to launch it and give his receivers a chance to make plays. Yeah, these receivers' names might not be Odell Beckham or Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins. The, the, these receivers' names might be, you know, uh, Zach Pascal, Neim Hines, uh, Marcus Johnson. 
but he's given his he's given his guys chances to go up and make plays, and that's something that Jacoby was was seemed like he was always afraid to do last year. And yeah. something's clicking now, and and Philip Rivers is getting the ball downfield. He's placing the ball in excellent tight windows, uh, right where they need to be these last two weeks. Uh, and we are getting the chunk plays that we weren't seeing last year, and that is how you demoralize a defense when you can when you can step up, get on the field, and just you know chuck a bomb for a thirty yard gain. That just demoralizes a defense, and the Colts are doing that a lot more this year. Yeah, if you if you think about it, if you okay, the second touchdown to Naeem Hines, that was a perfectly placed ball. Yes. If you guys look into it, the defender was really not in a bad position. No. Nope. Okay. But Philip Rivers made a great throw, and Naheem Hines made a great catch. I can guarantee you, probably ninety nine percent out of a hundred, Jacoby Brissett would have never thrown that ball, never. And that's what separates Philip Rivers from Jacoby Brissett. So let's let come on, guys. He's yeah. given us a chance for sure, yeah. and, a lot, and, a lot better of a chance. Absolutely, and I would rather him give us a chance to move the ball like that than, you know, be too afraid and we see three and out after three and out after three and out after three and out. You know, I would much rather see Philip Rivers take a chance down the field with the ball than to watch, you know, Jacoby. And I, and I love Jacoby, and he made he had some good moments last year, but this is why they brought Philip Rivers to Indy. This is why they chose to pay a 38-year-old quarterback $25 million in a single season for Philip Rivers to step in and be Philip Rivers, and that's what he's doing and that's the difference. This defense is legit, and Philip Rivers is finding his stride and doing exactly what the Colts have paid him to do. That's the difference between the five and two Colts of this year and the five and two Colts of last year. Yeah, and give props to the wide receivers. I did not think we had the wide receivers to be able to make those type of plays, but they have definitely so far this year proven me wrong. Kudos to them. Yeah. So, you know, Kind of staying on the Colts' schedule and their record and, and how the Colts have been faring versus a really tough stretch that we're going to be seeing moving forward for the rest of the year. Um, Nate, the Colts' remaining schedule is brutal. It is brutal. Um, you know, we of course, we got the Ravens this weekend, and then we got the Titans. Five days later, we have the Titans. Um, you know, we're going to be facing Green Bay. Then we've got, I think, personally, our toughest game of the entire year, coming up um towards the end of the year that's pittsburgh pittsburgh oh, yeah. tears us apart every year we play them and we're playing them in pittsburgh again um and this year personally i think the pittsburgh steelers i think the pittsburgh steelers are the best team in the league this year they have the most complete team right now in my opinion um and the colts do not have a good track record against the pittsburgh steelers that's a game i think that's the game i'm the most nervous about for the entire season um, even over the Ravens, and we'll be talking about um, the matchup against the Ravens here soon. I think the, the game against the Ravens is very winnable, but the, the, the Steelers game I'm extremely concerned about. Um, but, you know, it it's it's tough. You know, we have to play the Titans twice still. Um, the Titans have um, they have a dangerous passing attack. Well, as everybody knows, they have an extremely lethal running attack. Derrick Henry is playing out of his mind right now. Um, despite the Titans losing two in a row, uh, Derrick Henry is just continuing to explode on the offense. And so overall, it's just, it is brutal. And Nate, I said at the beginning of the year before the season started, I don't know if you remember, but I said the Colts 
course, I I predicted the Colts to be six and one at this point. They were very very nearly six and one, but I predicted the Colts to be six and one at this point. And I said before the season began, this game against the Ravens is going to be the defining factor for this Colts team. This is going to be the team. This is going to be the team that everybody comes in expecting the Ravens to blow the Colts out of the water. And this is the game where where if the Colts can win, they solidify themselves as serious contenders in the AFC and in all of the National Football League. I still stand on that, and the Colts are right there. They're 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 in that situation right now, five and two, tied at the top of the AFC South. They have a real chance to prove uh, their grit, their determination going into this game, um, and they're going to have to. Nate, we can't we can't expect to make a good playoff run and lose every one of these games. And these games I'm referring to is the Ravens, the Titans, the Packers, and the Steelers. Especially, we cannot afford to lose every one of those games. We at least have to split. We have to win at least two at least at least two of those matchups we have to we we need to win both games against the titans but we we need to win at least you know both games against the titans and one either the ravens packers and steelers we have to win one of those matchups uh you know we have to yeah uh the schedule is definitely one of the toughest in the nfl um you mentioned most of the teams the Colts have to win, in my opinion, all the games in the AFC South. They have to. There's no room for error if they want to take the AFC South title. It's like, let the other three teams, Houston, Titans, and uh, Jaguars, fight it all out and you know make it harder for the Titans to even make it to the playoffs. But I believe Titans will be the playoffs. I would prefer it to be them in the wild card and us are uh, – for them to be the sixth seed and while we take the AFC South crown and be playing in maybe a primetime game, which would be nice. Uh, but yeah, you, it's definitely a schedule that we cannot take lightly. And the AFC South, like I said, we got to, we should, we need to win those games. And then you have Las Vegas. Then you have Pittsburgh Steelers who you've mentioned. And the games that I'm worried about is Pittsburgh. Same as you. And then same thing with Las Vegas. For some reason, when we play the Raiders, it's always a close game. It's never been easy. And that's something that I'm like, oh, this is going to be so tough. And we need to win this game. We need to, especially if it has something to do with us since we got beat with by the Browns, especially if it comes to tiebreakers. It's like, thankfully, right now, we got the better record um, than the Browns do. And if the Browns end up having a worse record than we do, then we don't have to worry about like tiebreakers or anything like that. But if when it comes to the end of the season, if we for some reason have a, a, the same record, it's going to come down to who won between the two teams. And obviously we lost against the Browns, and that could possibly get us out of the playoffs. And I don't want it to come to that. So this schedule, remaining schedule, the Colts need to show, hey, we are true contenders. Our defense is legit, and our offense is pretty good as well. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. AFC South games, every one of them from here on out, uh, we've only had one up to this point. We're getting ready to have our final five games uh, you know, between the AFC South opponents coming up here over the next uh, eight weeks. We're going to have to win every one of those games, Nate, just like you said. And thank you for mentioning the Raiders. I completely forgot about them. Do not sleep on that game. Do not sleep on the Colts versus Raiders game 
That's going to be a tough game as well. As Nate already mentioned, the Colts always struggle against the Raiders, regardless of the circumstances. So tough, tough remaining schedule, but it's winnable. It's doable. Um, it is doable. This, this isn't an automatic, great, the Colts are going to miss the playoffs again. I in no way feel that way. I don't feel that way at all. Um, this is it's just, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough route. But I tell you one thing, Nate, before we move on, when the Colts get to the playoffs in January, no one is going to be able to say that they weren't uh, tested and tried in order to get there, that they didn't have to fight tooth and toenail to get there because that's what it's going to take. The Colts are just going to have to want it more um, than than the other guy. And, yep. you know, and I think they do. I think they got what it takes. Yes, sir. Right, right there behind you. Speaking of the AFC South, Jaguars and Texans had to buy Titans and Bengals. Nate, I'm gonna just let you. Who take called it? it? I'm Who called it? it? You, you take Who it. Who called it? Elijah, what did I do? What did I do? As soon as I found out the Bengals won against the Titans, what did I do? You tell you tell the audience what did I do? You told me about it. I told you about it. I texted you, and I let Twitter know. It's like just to let you guys know, all the nation chose the Titans to win this game. Titans were heavily favored against the Bengals. And what did I say on the podcast last week? I said the Bengals is going to beat the Titans. You know what? If I was a smoker, I'd be smoking on the cigar like Joe Burrow did when they won the national championship. If I if I was a guy that would rub it in people's faces, I would. Okay? I'm giving myself a pat on the back on this. And I'm just telling you guys, Titans are beatable. Mm, yeah, they, they, are. Are, they are not an elite team. Their defense is awful. They can play pretty good at times, but they are awful. They aren't Kansas City Chiefs. They aren't the Baltimore Ravens. It's like literally Kansas City, Ravens, and then a completely different class. Way behind those two teams. And I can say the Titans are there. But they are winnable. We can win against them. They are not the complete team that the nation is putting them out to be. They're saying, oh, this Titans team is tough. They are great. They are this. They are that. There is no way that the AFC South teams will catch up to them. It's like, okay, even national analysts, even guys that are considered pros drive me insane. And they say, Colts have no chance. Yeah, well, the Titans have definitely had a reality check. Uh, they've definitely had a reality check over the last two weeks. And the Bengals, I mean, obviously, the Colts struggled early on against the Bengals. The Bengals are better than people give them credit for. But this, oh, yeah. Titans defense, yeah. you know, this Titans defense is definitely their Achilles heel, for sure. And when you got an explosive Bengals offense with Joe Burrow at the helm, and he really seems to be uh, worth all the hype that's been around him, um, you know, this Bengals offense just made, just they just embarrassed the Titans defense. They did. I wish they embarrassed him a little more. It wasn't, you you know, you know, just have them have no points. Like make it seem like their offense can't do anything, you know. But obviously, the Titans' offense is actually pretty good. I'm not gonna deny that. But I told you, Elijah, 
I told you, podcast fam, I told you all that the Bengals were going to win that game. I wish I, if I was a betting man too, I would have put some money on it. You would have won some serious money, my friend. If you were a betting man, you would have won some serious money. I don't know what the odds were, but I guarantee you the odds were stacked against the Bengals. So So if you guys want any betting tips, maybe I'm your guy. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Props to you, my man. Props to you. Yeah, great, great call. Um, and it, I mean, the Bengals, they just dominated that game, really. So, um, I mean, and as Colts fans, we have to be happy about this. That loss, um, we kind of fantasized about it last week, about, you know, potentially the Colts winning uh, and then the Titans losing a second straight game. Um, I thought that was just a daydream that would never come true. Nate stuck to his guns, and as he should have, and, and the Titans lost. And now here we are. You know, going into the toughest stretch of the of the season, and we're tied up the top of the AFC South right when we need to be. So, and as far as I'm concerned, the Titans don't have an easy schedule either. They got to play the Colts twice. They have to play the Colts twice. Um, and I, like you said, Nate, the Colts are a much more complete team right now than the Titans, um, just because the Titans' defense is not good, to say the least. And even though, she, um, if you guys didn't know, they play Chicago this this weekend. Even though the Chicago offense is not that good, this Chicago defense is going to keep them in the game. And it would not surprise me either if she, if somehow Chicago ends up winning that game. Yeah, which is very I, possible. Just, Chicago's not I'm a just, bad I, team. No, I, I'm just saying. I'm not. I, okay, guys. So you guys don't get excited and say, oh, I should put money on it. I'm telling you right now, this is definitely not a game you want to put your money on because it can go either way. Yeah. I'm just telling you right now. And if somehow they win this game, the Titans, and then if um, if and you know I want them to, the Colts win against the Ravens, then Thursday night's game is gonna be something to watch. Absolutely. You know, it's we got we got Colts football twice this week. That's pretty exciting against Ravens, and then on the road to Tennessee. So on Thursday night, so it is our sole Thursday night game of the year. So you need to tune in for that one. In other NFL news, uh, this has really become a problem for the Raiders and John Gruden. Uh, it's just been released that the Raiders have lost a sixth-round pick in next year's draft, and they fined John Gruden $150,000 due to continuous violations of the NFL's COVID protocols. Um, John Gruden's type of guy is going to do whatever he wants, but that obstinance and stubbornness is coming at a price this year. (laughs) They've always been a team that's known to take chances on players that definitely don't have the greatest reputations either. I'm just saying. And I don't know who's got it or who's been violating. I don't know any of that. Uh, but I do know that he has the don't care mentality. And if and if your leader has the don't care mentality, then more than likely your team is not going to have is going to have the uh, don't care mentality. Yeah, well, and John Gruden, I don't know if you remember, Nate, but a few weeks ago he went viral. He went viral on NFL media for basically taking taking a cut off like T-shirt sleeve. And like wrapping it around his face, and it was like flapping on one side, and you could see his mouth and his nose out <laughs> one side of it. And <laughs> that's what he was using as a mask, and he got fined for that, I think. Um, you know, John Gruden, he's John Gruden, man. He he just he does what he wants. 
Um, and hey, if he's willing to pay $150,000 every time he steps on the football field and doesn't wear a mask or wear a proper mask, then that's on him. I mean, I guess I mean that's still a lot of money, even if you're making mul- multiple million dollars a year. $150,000 to lose in one week, that's some serious loss. So, I don't know. Maybe John Green I'm just worried about the pick. I'm just worried about the pick. Like, uh, if you lose a pick, no matter where it is, is lethal to a team. No yeah. matter where it is. But, hey, I mean, if he wants to hurt his team that way, that's their problem. That's their problem. So, um, well, I'm just, it, that, definitely hurts. Okay. that definitely hurts the Raiders. Like, a six-round pick, There's, I mean, six-round pick is still a valuable pick. Yeah, go to go to Colts history. Antoine Bethay was a sixth-round pick. Antoine Bethay, one of the best safeties in Colts history, was a sixth-round pick. Let that sink in a little bit. Yeah. So uh, don't break COVID protocol in the NFL. Just don't do it. It's there for a reason. If I was in the NFL, man, I definitely wouldn't. It's like I don't want to lose my millions, even if it's even if it's like losing a penny in your bank account. It's like that's still money that's in my account. You know, I no want to keep joke. it. My gosh, no kidding. So, yeah, not much more to say on that. But hopefully, Raiders get their act together because ultimately, if they break protocol, then there's a chance of an outbreak, like we like we saw. We were all holding our breath there for a couple weeks with the Titans. Um, you know. An outbreak in the NFL could potentially shut down the season. It could it could end the season. We're trying to keep football going. So whatever precautions need to be taken so that we can ensure that these players get to stay on the field and stay healthy, let's just take those precautions. Yes. And I know this isn't on our outline, Elijah, but, hey, Antonio Brown has a chance to play this weekend. What are you okay. wanting to see? I wanted to see Antonio Brown never never shoot up in the NFL again. I don't like I don't like Antonio Brown, but um, I am also a Christian, and we're supposed to uh, believe in second and third and fifth and one hundredth chances. So yeah, they keep um, saying second chance. I believe in second chances. It's like we're <laughs> past second chances, guys. Come on. Yeah. So um, you know, I'm hoping he he claims to be he seems to be uh, seems to be apologetic for his you know his actions over the past year and a half, and I hope that's true. And maybe being under Tom Brady's tutelage, so to speak, he can he can straighten the path and and have a good rest of his career. And if he does, good on him. Um, I'd like to see him be successful and kind of grow up. Um, and he has a chance to do that again. He's been given a, a valuable chance again in the NFL, and I don't want to see him blow it um, over stupid decisions. So, and not to mention. If he can come back and by the end of the year be playing at the same level that he was playing when he was dropped out of the NFL, then uh, the Bucks are going to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> End of story. Moving on. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, as always, we are continuing our Cult of the Game segment. Uh, last week, we had a couple players you could choose from. Uh, Nate was so confident in the player he thought that I was going to pick that before I told was able to tell him, he put this player down. But I didn't go with this player. So uh, to Nate's surprise, I did not go with this player. My call of the week for this past week was Neheim Hines. It was almost Phillip Rivers. I wanted it to be Phillip Rivers because he had another spectacular game, had over 120 quarterback rating, uh, three three touchdown passes in the second quarter, um, had like a, uh, I don't know exactly what his completion percentage was. It was like 68 to 70 uh, completion yeah, percentage. Sure. 
Yeah, he was 23 of of 33. Yeah, that's it. And so um, played a spectacular game. I wanted to call call him, but I believe he was my Colt of the game last week. And and if he continues to to lob three touchdown (laughs) passes week over week, which I believe he's going to have a lot more of those games before the season is over, I can't can't convince myself to just pick Phillip Rivers week in and week out. So I did want to give credit where credit was due with Neheim Hines. He played a phenomenal game was an absolute force to be reckoned with in the passing game, as I believe he should be. Nate, Neheim Hines should be used in the passing game this way every single week, especially with Paris Campbell being on the sidelines right now. Um, They need Neheim Hines to step into this role. He should have been in the role a while ago. I mean, he's done it before. Yeah, week one he had two touchdowns. Yeah, even, even when he was drafted, he said, I can be anything you want me to be. I am a I'm a gap a gap saver. You don't have to spend all your money on all these other people. I am willing to do whatever it takes to stay on one team forever. And he, I believe he can do that. He could be a slot guy. Uh, he can be a gadget guy. He can be a running back. If he wanted, he could play tight end. I mean, come on, guys. A really short, stocky tight end. I mean, what's wrong with that? And but anyway, Dallas Clark was this, short, stocky. <laughs> Oh, he wasn't that stocky. Stock uh, Dallas Clark was definitely like a tight end slash uh, slot receiver. I'll give Dallas Clark that. But yeah. with Naheem Hines, you're you're there. You you were right. There's many people you could pick from this game. And if you guys have didn't know already, I pick, I picked Philip Rivers. He he was great. Twenty three of thirty three, two hundred sixty two yards, three touchdowns, zero picks. That's my guy of the game. Reason why? Because it started with Philip Rivers. Because it started when he got hit and then got, was pushed to the ground, and then the team had to come up and protect the guy. You know, had to come up to his rescue. And he's like, "Okay, all right, I'm going to show you what's up." And he did exactly that. And then nothing to, towards Naheem Hines. If Naheem Hines, if if it, if these were long running plays, Elijah, I would be 100% behind you. But it started with Philip Rivers throwing the ball to Naheem Hines. And that's the only reason why I picked Philip Rivers as the cult of the game. You still had a good pick, and you were right. I thought you were going to go Philip Rivers all the way. <laughs> I do. I do not see what's wrong with saying Philip Rivers won it two weeks in a row. I'm glad to say, hey, for me, he's won it two weeks in a row. If if if, if Lord willing, whatever you want to say, if Colts win this game against the Ravens, if it's because Philip Rivers, I have no problem picking him a third week in a row. Just saying. But, yes, Naeem Hines deserves it. Uh, Philip Rivers deserves it. I mean, you can even throw in Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard had a great game. Um, I was so close. I was watching um, the game before the podcast started. I rewatched the game. Justin Houston was so close to getting more than two sacks. So he almost made my prediction correct. He almost had two two sacks like I predicted. He had at least five tackles, if I'm not mistaken. He had at least three close to behind the line of scrimmage. So it, I was almost close. I, I would have been ecstatic. I'd be like, did I just see the future like I did with the Bengals beating the Titans? I mean, that would have been – I would have had a great week, Elijah. I would have had a yeah. really great week if that happened. But, no, good good pick. Good pick, Elijah. I, yeah, I can't both, argue against Philip Rivers, that. And as I cannot with you, Philip Rivers definitely deserves it. Another honorable mention, which we don't usually do, I want to mention Taekwon Lewis, Lewis and Danico Autry. 
both of which had two sacks in the game against the Lions. Just want to throw that out there. They had great games. Tyquan Lewis, man, he has come on. He has finally, so far, knock on wood, I, I don't even really want to say it, but he has stayed healthy, um, which has been a serious issue over the last couple of years. And he's making his presence known at the right time. I'm just so happy for Tyquan Lewis. This is a this has been a an, an, a crucial year for Lewis, and I'm happy to see him getting in there and making plays. Um, my yeah. pick for this week, uh, this week's kind of a tough one, but I I'm thinking because of the way the Ravens play, and because how big of a role this player needs to have on the Colts team um, to be for the Colts to be able to find success this week. I'm going to go with uh, with DeForest Buckner for my pick this week. The yeah, man is one. a run stopper. Um, he is a brick wall. He proven time and time again as the season goes along that he can break down the uh, the middle of the uh, O-line. Um, he's, he's played incredibly for us at this point. The Ravens love to run. They love to scheme up um, run options for, for Lamar Jackson. And... DeForest Buckner is going to be an integral piece. I think the Colts' ability to stop the run or to not stop the run this week is going to hinge off of the performance of DeForest Buckner, and that's why I pick uh, DeForest Buckner as my um, Colt of the Week prediction for this week. I was so close to picking him, but I decided to stick with the leader of that defense, the Maniac. He talked about all all this week, I want to be the spy on Lamar Jackson. I want to be that guy that is going to be following him around and making sure he doesn't kill us in his in the running game. I want to make sure I'm the guy that makes the um, game-saving tackle or just a great tackle to where if he didn't make that tackle, Lamar could have made a huge run. And I totally believe in the Maniac. Most of you know, if if the Maniac says something and I hear about it, I'm 100% behind him, and I believe the Maniac is able to do that. And he I, he can make turnovers like you seen um, last week against Detroit. And you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna overlook this, and I, I'm just gonna go with the Maniac. The Maniac is my guy. Yeah, he had he had a good bounce back week after in, coming back off injury. Uh, that strip sack was incredible, and it was crucial to the Colts uh, to the Colts momentum. Uh, in the game last week. So it was good to see him back in action. Good to see him get that sack. Good to see him uh, get another forced fumble, which he's becoming known for around the Colts organization. So um, I'm down with that pick, too. I could definitely see. Defense is going to play a huge part, which were, is actually the perfect segue into our next topic uh, as we begin to wind down this segment. But um, defense is going to be a huge part of the game against the Ravens. And, um, you know, that leads us into our three keys to victory. Um, for, you know, week in and week out, we talk about the three things the Colts have to do right uh, in order to win each game that they play. Um, and so to start us off, um, my three keys to victory start with, um, well, the defense. The Ravens love to run the ball. Last year, they had the number one running attack um, in the league by far, largely because of Lamar, Lamar Jackson, but not just because of Lamar Jackson. Mark Ingram uh, and that running core played a big, uh, big part in the Ravens' ability to run the ball. Of course, I believe Mark Ingram is hurt right now. Um, yeah, and he's questionable. He is questionable. But, man, this rookie, uh, J.K. Dobbins, um, man, he, he looked great this past week. And you cannot sleep on Dobbins. He 
Uh, he shows that he can really get get burst through the line and and just push for more yardage and just really get down the field. And the Colts are going to have to look out for him. And that's what makes the Ravens' offense so tricky is you never know what they're going to do. Or even in the run game, you never know who's going to get the ball because there are so many playmakers on the ground, um, starting with Lamar Jackson. Um, and, you know, Lamar Jackson, could he could draw up a pass play, nothing be open, and then he find a seam and be gone for 20 yards. Like, um, you have a running back playing quarterback, essentially, um, with quarterback-level talent. Um, but that leads me into what the, the first thing the Colts need to do right, in my opinion, force the Ravens to pass the ball. Lamar Jackson is not throwing the ball well this year. Um, I mean, he was criticized uh, when he came into the league by the one and only uh, Colts all-time great Bill Polian, um, who claimed he needed to make the switch to wide receiver. Uh, Lamar Jackson refused to do that, and last year was kind of his revenge tour. He he stepped in, and he was the reigning MVP. You know, he became um, the MVP of the league last year, as he should have been. He deserved that. But this year, something's wrong. It's, you know, the rhythm isn't quite right for Lamar Jackson, it seems. And he's coming into a very, very good Colts defense um, who can shut down the pass. And they can shut down the run. The Colts are good on both major fronts. They can stop the pass and they can stop the run. They are allowing uh, one of the worst opposing, by worst, I mean best for the Colts defense, worst for, for opposing quarterbacks. They're allowing like the um, the lowest quarterback rating amongst opposing quarterbacks, one of the lowest quarterback ratings amongst opposing quarterbacks in the league right now. And um, they're also like second or third in, in rush defense. So um, I think the Colts need to be able to force the Ravens to pass, shut down the running game early, force them to get into passing situations, force Lamar Jackson to try and win the game through the air. Because something's wrong this year with Lamar Jackson's passing game, and I think the Colts can exploit that as long as they can shut down the run game early, um, which will really only work if they score fast if they start the game fast which is my second key to victory first key to victory force them to pass the ball take away the running game force Lamar Jackson to win the game through the air um and also start fast if you step into this game and get a couple quick scores to open the first quarter not just the first half but the first quarter Ravens can't really run the ball that much when they're playing from behind and historically since Lamar Jackson has been at the helm the Ravens do not play well. They have a terrible record, in fact, when they are playing from behind. When they get behind early, um, it gets them out of their element. Their element is to run the ball and punch the defense in the teeth. And they can't run the ball and drain the clock if there are multiple scores down, if the opposing offense is keeping pace and scoring the ball. Eventually, he's going to have to pass the ball. And the Colts need to start this game fast. They need to get... I, th I think they need to score two touchdowns in the first quarter. They need to put this pressure on the Ravens, on this Ravens unit as quickly as possible. My third and final key to victory is simply stealing this from the Patriots lingo. Do your job. We can't be having missed assignments in the coverage like we did against Jarvis Landry and the Browns, and even uh, at times against the Bengals and the Lions. We can't be allowing um, Lamar Jackson, if we're going to stop the run, we can't be allowing Lamar Jackson to get into a rhythm in the passing game. On offense, as the wide receivers have been doing over the last couple weeks, They these receivers got to step up, make plays, get in there, have sure hands, catch these passes. Phillip Rivers needs to get into a rhythm early, 
spread the ball around to all these individual targets because this Ravens defense is incredible as well. Um, they are all around a, a really good unit. And so Phillip Rivers is going to have to make good, decisive, um, you know, completions with the ball, make good, sound decisions with the ball. Um, and, and you know, from the blocking on the O-line to the wide receivers, to the run game, to the defense, uh, to the coverage on the defense, everybody just needs to do their job. And they, if, that, if they do that and they, they stick to their identity up to this point in the year, I think the Colts can can – really realistically win this game. I, I really think it's a winnable game. Even with um, I, I, Humphrey, even though Humphrey's out, they're still pretty good defense because Humphrey ended up uh, testing positive for COVID-19. Um, but with Ravens, they play definitely with that next man mentality. And my three ga- keys to the game is defense needs to contain the run. Like, I believe the Ravens will still have some good positive runs here and there. That's why I'm not saying they should stop the run, because with the Ravens, even last week, when they faced the number one defense against the run, the Steelers, they still ran over 200 and something yards against the Steelers, which hardly ever happens. That's why I say the defense need to at least contain the run and make Jackson pass, which I'm 100% behind you, Elijah. If we can score quick, especially two touchdowns, then it definitely makes the Ravens get out of their game plan a little bit and makes them want to pass a little bit more. Let's get Jackson off of his game by him running the ball and making him pass. Number two, special teams will have to play a big part in this game. Help keep the Ravens on their side of the field get them at the five-yard line or their own field. Get them at the 10-yard line. Make them have to go the length of the field to try to score. Or even better, make it to where you guys can stop them at their side of the field. And then when they punt the ball, we we as Colts get a great field position around the 35, the 40, the 45-yard line. That would help the Colts tremendously work on a short field and give Rodrigo Blankenship a chance to kick some field goals. Give give the Colts a chance to score some touchdowns in the red zone. Give them a lot better of a chance than having to go the length of the field. Because like we've been saying, the Ravens defense is pretty good this year. It's always been pretty good. They hardly had in years a okay defense. It's always been a good, great defense. And then number three, offense needs to run the ball like never before. I believe that they need to keep Jackson on the sidelines. I believe that the Colts need to run the ball down the throat of the Ravens defense because it's been shown it's possible to run um, on this Ravens defense and just run the ball, run the ball. I don't care who it is. Naeem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, Jonathan Taylor. I don't care. Last week I said the Colts needed to get all the backs involved. They did exactly that. I believe they need to do that again this week in order to win the game. So those are my three keys to victory, Elijah. We are pretty similar, um, probably except for my second, which was special teams. But we are both pretty close on what we say are the keys to victory for the Indianapolis Colts. All right, and Nate, um, before we get into the trivia question, um, before the season began, you picked the Colts to lose this game 
against the Baltimore Ravens. You have the Ravens winning this game. I picked the Colts to win this game. Are you staying with your pick? I have to say yes. I'm sorry. No, th- this whole podcast, I've been lifting up the Colts. I believe in them. I really do. But but for some reason, I just feel like there's just that energy with the Ravens coming in after losing a close game to the Steelers. They're going to be ready to punch somebody in the mouth. And sadly, it's the Colts. And also, T.Y. Hilton is doubtful to play. And we are like one in nine without T.Y. Hilton. Um, so one win, nine losses. So that's not a good thing either. And I just feel like, you know, the Ravens have something to prove. And I mean, the Colts do as well. But, you know, I it's just very hard for me to go against the Colts because I really do want to pick them to win because I believe they can. But just for some reason, I feel like the Ravens is going to pull out a victory and it will be by at least 10 points. So it's going to be like 27, 27 to 17 in that nature. I'm sorry, Colts fans. I really do want to pick them, but it's just very hard for me, at least right now. Okay. Well, the last time, the only time up to this point where I have uh, gone back on my pick, it did not fare well for me. I picked the Browns to beat the Colts, and I, I reversed course and uh, changed my mind, had the Colts win in that game, because just like Nate, I don't ever, it pains me to ever predict the Colts to ever lose a game. If you ask me the most biased part of my being when it comes to my Colts fandom is um, to say they're going to go 16-0 every year. Obviously, that's not realistic. And as much as we want to do that, we can't. Um, But with that being said, I'm sticking with my pick. Um, It's definitely the hot take, I think, of the week because everyone has the Ravens beating the Colts, as they should. I mean, by all account and by every statistic, the Ravens are the team. A lot of people are choosing them to kill the Colts. I'm not saying they're going to kill the Colts. I think it's going to be a close game all the way. Even the Colts, the start lose, yeah. Game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. That's that's kind of a hot take, in my opinion. I don't think you can say that the Ravens are going to blow out the Colts, even if they win. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm going to stick with it, and I'm optimistic. I just I have this gut feeling. I had a gut feeling against the Browns that they were going to lose to the Browns uh, for some reason. With how the Colts' offense was playing up to that point, um, and how the Brown's offense was playing at that point. I'm like, man, I, you know, I just, I, I really didn't feel good going into that game. Um, and you know, it turns out that my, my feelings were correct in that, but I wasn't ready to give up on, on the defense. Um, now I, I don't know. It just feels different to me this week. I just feel a lot better about the Colts going into this game against the Ravens. Uh, I think they have a real shot. I'm going to stick with it. And it is going to be a nail-biter, folks. It is going to be a nail-biter down to the end. Heck, this might even come down to a uh, a Rodrigo Blankenship field goal for the win. This might be this might be his first clutch kick of his career. This might be his first clutch game. Um, so it's going to be uh, a all, all, game. It's going to be all a I can, game. All I can say is, if the Colts win. They better be talking about, hey, the Colts are actually pretty good. They right. they should not be saying, what's wrong with Lamar Jackson? No. They, I need to hear more about Colts if the sadly, Colts win this game. Sadly, they're going to be asking what's wrong with Lamar Jackson. 
uh, they're going to be saying things like, man, Lamar Jackson just wasn't himself. He just, he wasn't playing like he normally does. You know, he just, he gave too many things away. He, he gave too many plays away. It's not going to be, man, the Colts defense shut Lamar Jackson down. The Colts offense got into a rhythm and Phillip Rivers uh, tore the secondary apart. It's not going to be anything like that. If, if that is to happen, you know, that's not going to be the storyline. But that's because the Colts are the most disrespected team in the league, and I stand by that comment. But, you know, um, the Colts, as, as I was saying earlier uh, in this episode, um, I said coming into, this se- uh, coming into this season, this is the game. The Colts are going to be cruising. They're going to be winning some good games uh, leading up to the games against the Ravens. And this is the game where the Colts prove their strength. Um, the Colts, <laughs> the Colts are going to... Go ahead. Oh, okay. I was going to say... The Colts are going to win this game, and it's going to force everyone to recognize them um, as legitimate contenders. That's what I said going into the season, and I'm sticking by that. I'm standing on that firmly, both my feet firmly placed on the ground on this one. And I was going to just say that if you wasn't busy around 1 o'clock, I would have you guys over. I would have you over. We watch this game together. <laughs> you know, we, we need to do that before the season ends. If we're going to make this podcast really, really good, me and you need to come one day when the Colts play, have you guys either come over or we go over to your house and we watch the game together. And then we can have our wives maybe video us and how silly we are or how ridiculous we are when we're watching the Colts or something. And my wife is laughing at me right now as I'm talking about this because uh, she knows it's true. She, <laughs> she probably remembers the last time. I, she probably remembers the last time we came over. The, the Colts were playing during while the Colts were playing. That's probably the game. That, that's probably the day that's going through her head right now. Because yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, I've always said, Nate, you are the only other person that knows as much about the Colts and as is as passionate about the Colts as I am. You're the only other person besides myself that I've ever met that is uh, this passionate about the Colts. So that's why that's why uh, we mesh so well with this pod because we want to see the Colts win. We believe, we believe. So um, let us know what you guys think. Let us know what your guys' picks are uh, on Twitter at GFI Podcast. Don't forget if you're not already. Go and follow us. We want to hear what your guys' reactions are to our picks and what your personal predictions are for this game and what the Colts, what you think the Colts need to do to win this game. Nate, it is that time again. If you will, please finish us off by revealing the answer to this week's trivia question. Okay. In 2008 NFL draft, the Colts had three picks in the sixth round. Who was the third and final pick in the sixth round. Elijah, put your thinking cap on. Just think long and hard. During that era, who was the third and final pick in the sixth round? Think really hard. I'll I'll even give you a hint. Yes, hint, please. Wide receiver. Wide receiver. Wide receiver. Um, uh, hold on, hold on. Um, Anthony Gonzalez. No, 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 no. Anthony, Anthony Gonzalez, if I'm not mistaken, he was a first round was pick. A first round pick. He was. First round pick in the 2007. Seven. I, I want to say 2007 draft. Yeah. Yes. So in 2008, Elijah, it was Pierre Garcon from Mount Union. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't realize. I didn't realize he was a sixth round pick. First of all. 
I didn't realize he was the I, third pick in the sixth round. I thought he was. I thought he was undrafted. <laughs> I thought he was undrafted. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Russell makes a lot of sense. Had I had I had more time to think about it, I might have eventually landed on him. Eventually, but man, good question. Let us know. On the, uh, let us know uh, on Twitter if you guys, if, if any of you, without the help of the internet, um, were able to to answer that question correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so let us know. And as I've already said a million times, if you're not already, please follow us. We we just want to engage. We will follow back. You know, any legitimate people out there who are following us, who are Colts fans, we'll follow you back. We just want to we just want to engage with other Colts fans, engage with other football fans, and and continue these types of conversations that we have over there uh, with you all. So don't forget. And it also helps us out if you enjoy what you're hearing over here uh, and you want to hear more of it. Uh, don't forget to to like and or subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. And share, share us, share Go For It with your friends and your family. It really does help us out. Thank you guys for continuing to support us with your time uh, and choosing to listen. And if you're joining us for the very first time, we hope you enjoyed it and we uh, hope to see you again. Without further ado, Nate, that's all I've got. Did you have anything else? I do not go Colts. I'm really, really rooting for the Colts, guys. It's just realistically for me right now, Ravens are just a little bit tougher right now. So, hey, I'm still rooting for him, though. I will be glad to be wrong. I will gladly take being wrong, okay? So don't try to bash me on Twitter. Don't come on my Facebook and threaten me or something. Don't, please don't. I really want the Colts to win. Please. <laughs> yeah. Well, and at the end of the day, regardless of of how of what we want, like we said at the beginning, you know, we try and ground everything in fact and be as unbiased as we can, even though the Colts are our team you know um because we have to go based on statistics and facts and what we think will truly happen so uh yes. no one can fault you for for that i completely <laughs> understand the pick personally and and if and if uh, whoever's listening out there if they are rational they will understand it too so but we're going to go out there with our game faces on ready to fight ready to root on our team and uh cross all of our fingers and toes and hope the Colts can pull this one out. And in the meantime, hopefully next week we can be talking about uh, what led to the Colts' victory. Um, but that's all we have. We will see you guys next week. Yes, have a good one, guys. God bless you. <laughs>